Greetings, dear, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Working Experience, a very warm, open-arm audio embrace and a squeeze. This episode is brought to you by my company, One Circle Media. One Circle Media is a hybrid digital agency and media content creator. We create and design apps, websites, videos, social media content, and physical products. We are artists, directors, designers, producers, coders, editors, thinkers, makers, and creators who embrace story and creativity from design, web and app development, animation, docs, features, TV shows, digital and social media content to physical products. For our clients, we create content that builds networks and audiences across multiple platforms. Check out our work at OneCircleDigital.com and OneCircleBrand.com. If you work for a network, studio, brand, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain, reach out to me at John at OneCircleMedia.com. I'd love to hear from you. This episode is also brought to you by an app that I created called Still Believe. Still Believe transforms a picture in your home into video proof of your child's favorite magical characters. With the app, parents can catch the magic of the tooth fairy, leaving money under their children's pillow or Santa delivering presents on Christmas Eve in their home. You download the app, take a picture, and we create the magic. We utilize feature film visual effects artists to transform your picture into video. Just tell your kids that you have a special app that can detect and capture the tooth fairy, then present them with the video proof in the morning. The look on their faces is priceless. Your Still Believe video is created in minutes, and you can then save it to your phone and share it on social media. The app is available for the iPhone and Android, and it's free to download. Our aim is to bring joy and wonder into the hearts of children around the world. Check it out at stillbelieve.co. Thanks, everyone, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Working Experience. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Working Experience podcast. Today, I spoke with Matt G., who um, works for a large insurance company in Connecticut, and one of his co-workers is a big fan of reality television, and his wife tried to kill him. Enjoy. The working experience. Route 93 North is almost at a standstill. It's a rough one out there this morning. Snow and sleet. There is no service on the... Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Uh, yeah, folks, we're going to be a few minutes. We have train traffic ahead of us. We should be moving shortly. John, we need that report ASAP. Where are we on that presentation? And HR wants to see you. Did you return that email yet? We have a team meeting at 10. Did you stay late, Bob? Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> They're moving in a different and after the meeting, we'll have a breakout session. Who ate my Where are my hot pockets? This microwave is disgusting. Oh, God, what's that? He was wow. living his Sexual toenails at the desk. I can't take it anymore. I can't take it anymore. I All right, everybody. Hey, this is Matty K with the Working Experience Podcast, and I'm here with my friend Matt. Hello. Um, so uh, this is the second podcast Matt and I have done. Matt works for a large insurance company. Uh, based in Connecticut. So uh, we talked about that last time. And then, uh, as happens quite often, um, you know, when I, I talk with a guest and then 
you know, we're done with the podcast and we start chatting, a fascinating story arises. And this is one that anybody can look up. And this uh, happened in my home state of Massachusetts out in the western part of the state was where the the trial took place. Um, Wilbraham, I think the name of the town was. Um, Now, let me just preface this by saying, and it's got really nothing to do with the matter at hand, but I uh, was just watching some TV waiting to do the podcast, and I saw that it was on a commercial, but on the the guide it said Point Break was on. And I was like, awesome. I I love that movie. Uh, But it's the new one. There's a new version. And I mean, come on. What is the point of redoing Point Break without Keanu Reeves and Patrick Swayze? None. I completely agree. I would say none. There is no point <laughs> to do it. And except for ruining my afternoon, <laughs> you know, I was like, Jesus, here we, I almost had to call you and say, Matt, we can't do the podcast because <laughs> my priorities fair I, enough, but that's a, a drastic difference between the two. Yeah. I've only seen the original point break probably 50 times. So, <laughs> you know, I, uh, wanted to see it again, but it's the new one. So here we are. Well, there we go. Oh, not not that you're second fiddle or anything, but yeah, I'm, well, I'm glad I fall somewhere between Point Break, the original, and and the and the redo. So that's that's a that's a comfortable zone for me. There, there you go. So um, the story Matt got into after we were done with our earlier podcast. This has to do with uh, Donna Walcott, and this is all um, public information. You can uh, Google Jeff and Donna. Walcott, so I'm not trying to, you know, out anybody's dirty laundry. It's all already out there. Um, So this particular article says uh, a Hamden Superior Court jury on Wednesday found Donna Walcott guilty of trying to solicit someone to kill her then husband in 2006, who would be Jeffrey Walcott. Is that right, Jeffrey? Yep. Yeah, Jeffrey. Um, So what had happened was Walcott had been convicted of the same crime at her first trial in 2007. And then she'd already served her time, which was shockingly short. Uh, So, okay. The crime took place in 2006 where she solicited someone to kill her husband. She went to her cousin. These people are not the brightest people in the world (laughs) who do these things. Went to her cousin, uh, According to her and her lawyer, she just said she was unhappy, uh, vented that she uh, would like it if her husband would disappear, and then asked her cousin if he or anyone he knew wanted money. So apparently the court connected the dots on those things. This was seen as a murder for hire. She was convicted of that. She only got like two years, though, right? Yeah, maybe it been less in terms of time served. Yeah. It was, yeah no, no, I'm sorry. Six months in jail in two right, years. Right. For he, I think he because I guess there was some difference between male and female type penalties for the same type of crime. I believe he subsequently like appealed to his state senator or local representative to get more parity in the laws because they were discriminatory. Had he conducted a murder for hire campaign, I guess he would have been sentenced more harshly based on precedent. So it's, it's, I don't think much came of it, but it, it played out for a long time. 
Yeah. Um, so apparently she'd already served the time. She wanted the sentence overturned. The appellate court did overturn it, but then she was tried again and she was subsequently convicted again of the same crime. And also trying to call her husband while her husband had a restraining order against her. I was wondering, what, what would you talk about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now that you say, yeah, how have things been? What are you yeah. <laughs> Do you miss me? <laughs> yeah, do you miss me? Do you like to go on vacation? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of wondering if perhaps, uh, you know, what, what are the odds of us getting back together? I don't know. Um, so that's all in the background. Now, uh, the reason we're talking about this is because Matt worked with the very same Jeffrey Walcott, who was nearly murdered by his wife twice. Uh, this murder for hire thing was just the second half of the plot, correct? Correct. So if you could tell our listeners, and, and you you met, you know Jeffrey Walcott, you interacted with him after his wife tried to kill him the first time, correct? Yes, yes, because he was certainly worth the wear. He, so what it was, was they had a couple sons. Okay, so you were you were working in uh, the insurance agency, insurance company, exactly. Where in, I, okay. I actually work now again. I I, I worked there at the time. I left for another company since came back. Okay. Um, but what happened along the way in that? So Jeffrey yeah. Walcott was your coworker at the company. What's that? Jeffrey Walcott was, Walcott your, co-worker. was your coworker. Yes, yes, he was. I mean, sat you know one row over from me, two rows over from me, and. You know, there, there's some unusual behavior in general, which I can touch on in a minute. But for the sake of their vacation, I guess they decided they would get away to, I believe it was Texas, uh, which, you know, he, he kind of recapped this stuff later to us somewhere along the way, as I think he was putting the pieces together, that something wasn't quite right, but that his wife wanted to have some alone time with him. Then they went to some lake, I believe, in Texas, which apparently was quite deep. And, and she had I, some of these details. I don't think they put online, but I believe they found like a computer search where she had looked for. I guess the, the lake is very deep. Things are not typically recovered from the bottom, whether the boat sinks or whatever else. It's I don't know if they don't can't dredge it or whatever. And somehow she determined they should go there, rent a houseboat. And he was a pretty staid guy, you know, not a real wild type. And I don't think he was much of a drinker. And so they went on a vacation, uh, I guess, to get away. So it was just the two of them. And then uh, from the way he described it after the fact, as he came back, like I said, he did not look so good. Um, but that she was encouraging him to drink. He really wasn't feeling that great. But, you know, she was like basically literally pouring drinks down his throat. At some point, um, he was unclear if he had been hit or hit with an or or what but he remembers falling off the upper deck of the boat into the water at which point he had i think he had broken his armor's wrist he had broken his jaw he was missing teeth he broke his nose um and then was into the water and then in his telling of this after the fact if we kind of put two and two together much later than the average person would clearly he remembered being in the water opting granted with a broken arm and all these facial injuries that would make it hard to breathe that he shouldn't try to go back to the boat which he felt like was going further away from anyway and try to swim to shore like i guess with one arm and i don't know breathing from and i think they were probably towards the middle of the lake and he managed to make it but he came back from vacation he was like missing a tooth his face was you know beaten to hell 
And, uh, and at the time, I think he was still thinking that he had just fallen off the boat was what he had told us at the time. He said, you know, as, as this thing played out longer was, yeah, I had too many drinks, fell off, fell off the boat on vacation. And we were just looking at it going, well, like, what? So he oh, goes on, he goes, how? he goes on vacation. You see him go on vacation, like he leaves. He comes back a week or two later and he has a broken jaw, missing teeth and a broken arm. Oh, his face is destroyed. Yes. Oh my yes. God. Jesus. And he's saying, I fell off the boat, had too much to drink. And, and I thought, you don't, I don't think you'd really drink much. And then we were kind of saying, you fell off the boat onto what? Like if you fell off the boat into water, you, you shouldn't break everything in your body. Was the boat moving? Were you, was it docked? And I was now we were out in the water. And then, and then you know, I, I guess I kind of fast tracked the story. But later, essentially after he had discovered that she was asking around town if there was anyone that basically could could kill him, that you know maybe just maybe he hadn't fallen off the boat on his own volition, or that she, there was some ulterior motive, which uh, yeah would stand to reason well before that point. So he the, he found out she was asking around about having him disappear after they got back from vacation. Well, I believe she may have been asking around before then, but it's unclear how that was relayed. But then, because I think she was trying to figure that out, maybe that was plan A. When she wasn't getting any traction with plan A, she went to plan B, which was to do it herself. When plan B failed, I think she went back to plan A, which was effectively plan C, was to ask even more people if they could make him, basically kill him instead. Or the way he described the time was, do you know anyone in the mafia? I believe, you know, you're like, you're, you're like my Italian cousin sort of thing. Do you know someone that could kill him for me? <laughs> and then I think that, and that person was related to, to, I think it was either her cousin or his cousin. I forget which, but then relayed that to the police who I think they looped in either, either the more police or the FBI or whatever else and started putting together the story. I think it was her cousin. From the, uh, I, 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 that, I think that I think so. That sounds right. But yeah, in any case, it was not very well vetted. The whole process, <laughs> and then I think more materialized. Like, oh, I got asked a couple months ago, and I just sort of didn't do anything. Like, you know, as the story kind of was fully shaped, someone else maybe even said, "Yeah, I got asked too," but it didn't really occur to me that it was there was that much substance to it. Yeah, Wilbraham is uh, not that big a town, so I. <laughs> yeah, it's just over the mass border. It's not far from Connecticut. It's a small town. Yeah, it's, it's and then this dragged out at length because she served minimal time, and then was again trying to push for custody. Once she got out after her six month sentence or whatever, tried to push for custody of the kids. I think child support, alimony, all sorts of things that. One would think you you would you wouldn't have the nerve to go after after trying to kill someone being convicted. Yeah, uh, you would think that, but no, there's people out there who really they they don't have. I, I don't know if they're not born with the um, emotion of shame or embarrassment, or they just you know like some people are born without a spleen. Right. Uh, <laughs> so some people are born without a sense of humor. Uh, I'm looking at the a picture of this woman. She does not strike me as someone with a great sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 for sure. I it sounds like in this article, she was just very unhappy being married to this guy and wanted him gone. Right, yeah. And then I guess, I, I don't know, I guess divorce wasn't an option, even though at that point, she probably would have had a claim to half or more because I think she at the time was staying home with the kids. 
it, it would have been a more favorable settlement than jail and, and you know, 10% of the assets or whatever she ended up with. Well, you know, it makes me think of like, uh, who's, that, who's that guy? Drew, guy who killed his wife in California. Oh, was it Peterson? Yeah, Drew Peterson. Like, I mean, why don't you just divorce your wife? I mean, it's not wonderful, but that's your other option. Like, that's plan B. Do I right. get divorced? Yeah, that might be a little complicated. There's a lot of paperwork involved and lawyers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to deal with all that. Listen, well, it's, it's funny that that even comes up because it seems like this would be entirely isolated as it should be. But my former boss at the same insurance company uh, is currently serving time in prison because uh, he, for essentially for attempted murder. I think they downgraded the charges because uh, he got the end indication that his wife was considering divorcing him so he went home and decided to basically try to kill her so i don't know if it's just you know i i, I the areas i work in the people i associate with or maybe maybe i'm in them i guess in that scheme i am in the minority for not having tried the same wait wait uh, this is hold, hold, hold on this is the same company yeah that and yeah, you were but, but in fairness at the time he had moved on to a different insurer so you know he was probably two years removed from the company, but yes. Okay, he, so you he, worked with one I guy. Worked with him, I worked with him at the same place. You worked with one guy whose wife tried to kill him, and yep. then you worked with another guy who tried to kill his wife. Yes. <laughs> he would probably frame it differently because I think he said that it was more, more along the lines of violent assault, that, you know, prison worthy, <laughs> multi-year sentence, but not, you know. It was not attempted murder. That would be a much longer sentence. I just tried to run her over with the car. I didn't yeah, think right, right. whether she died or not was that really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. There's a whole premeditation element that, you know, would, would impact the sentence. You know, you know, you don't want to be pinned down with that kind of stuff. Wow. It is amazing what people will uh, resort to just to, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess my thought there was the same thing. We just let her divorce you. Yeah. You know? that, yeah. If someone was that unhappy with me and said, listen, I don't want to be with you anymore. I don't want to live with you anymore. I mean, I might not be wild about it, but I would say, okay, you know. Yeah. All right. right. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather not serve, yeah, serve a lot of jail time for it, right? No. Like, what? I don't understand what killing her has to, uh, what that accomplishes. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I mean. The, the original story, yeah. I mean, it was an unusual relationship, to say the least, where, uh, I mean, there are some strange dynamics that would even be there where, you know, at the end of the business day, I, I assume that he was supposed to be home, expected to be home a certain time. So then his phone would ring and sometimes, you know, he'd be there a few minutes late. And we, we all knew because we sat in like a cubicle environment that if he picked up the phone, you know, it, I, think it would, I think it was like four o'clock. If he picked up the phone at 4.05 when it rang, it would be her asking him why he wasn't on his way home already. And so, you know, sometimes he'd be getting ready to leave anyway. And he'd still pick up the phone and we would all cringe because we knew exactly what was going to happen. He was about to just get blistering criticism where he'd go, I know, I know I should have gone. I should have left already, everything else. And so we, we just all, we kind of trading quiet comments around, please, just please don't answer the phone. Please don't answer the phone. And he would. And then of course, but to that point, I'm not sure why she wanted him home so soon anyway if she wanted to kill him. That's what I was just going to say. Yeah. Like, why? Why? Uh, yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. yeah. I don't but know. Also, but also, too, yeah, he would get in, in these various pieces of things where, you know, you and I touched on after the last interview where he, I think he had some other show business type aspirations and things that made him quite a unique personality across the board. 
<laughs> well, I, I would also ask the quote before we get into that, because that is yeah. great. Uh, if you're not supposed to be at your desk at 4.05, why would you pick up the phone? I, I don't know. And even there, I mean, he was commuting from Connecticut to, to Massachusetts, but again, not big states per se, and not a terrible commute because, you know, he lived just over the Massachusetts line. But you could easily explain away five or ten minutes by traffic of any sort or anything. Right. You know, uh, but instead he would pick up the phone and just we, – we all knew what was happening. It was, it was terrible. See, it sounds like he – I'll put on my psychologist hat here. It sounds like he is feeding – was feeding into this. You know what I mean? Yeah, yes. Why would you pick up the phone if you know she's going to be pissed? Like why – would you not just leave or go home and be like, yeah, I got stuck in traffic? You know, just lie like everybody does. Right, right. But I think, you know, this sounds like part of the, de- like he, he liked this, you know, or it, it satisfied yeah. him in some way, shape or form. Um, so now I don't condone this woman's, let, let me just say, on behalf of the Working Experience podcast, <laughs> I don't condone murder for hire. Uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not saying that this woman was in the right, but there is a part of this guy's personality that I find fascinating. And, uh, I'm not saying it would be a legal defense. It might be a moral defense, but he had, he had, he had aspirations. Did he not? He did. And so one of the things he would talk about regularly, and Grant, this is now, what was it? It must've been around, oh, 2005 or six ish, um, maybe 2000 four-ish even, you know, he was a huge fan of reality television and we'll talk about it incessantly, you know, whatever shows were on at the time. Not really my wheelhouse, but I would entertain a discussion and go, huh? huh? And you know, he was a huge fan of Survivor, apparently, multiple years. He had tried to be on the show, submitted applications or what have you. And then I think you must submit either, I don't know, it's like a video of yourself or an interview or whatever it is. To show the kind of guess, you know, you have a camera presence, I would guess. Yeah. And yeah. so he decided to differentiate himself. He would include a video of him doing a gymnastics routine. <laughs> that's because he became a talk of the office. Did, did he have a, a leotard? Did he have a ribbon? And did he have a tumbling routine? Was He clearly wasn't strong enough to do like a pommel horse or rings. So it must be a, some sort of floor routine, presumably with minimal flipping. or any. just So probably I'm assuming it was limited to somersaults, cartwheels. Unclear, but we couldn't find a way to actually get said video to watch it ourselves because it would have been awkward. But we were there's a lot of speculation as to exactly what it consisted of. So he liked reality TV in general. Yes. Oh, yes. And he would come into work and talk about reality TV shows he liked all the time. And that was part of it too. Was we 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 subsequently thought, I bet he's going to use nearly being murdered by his now ex-wife as a possibility of saying, hey, see, I'm a type, I, I'm, a sur- I'm a survivor, literally. <laughs> I should be yes. on season whatever you're on years later, and that would boost his his, his street cred. Uh, but obviously that didn't come to pass. I mean, it's not to say he didn't try, but it didn't come to pass. Oh, of- I would bet a paycheck that he used that to try to get on the show. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, honestly, like, if I was married to somebody who sat there watching reality TV all the time, I would want to cave their head in, quite oh, frankly, yeah. and throw and them to the, the bottom, of, bottom the of the lake. And he would discuss it. <laughs> I agree. He would, I, he would discuss it at length, even though, I mean, I, I didn't even watch it. So, 
was hard to, to even be an equal partner in the conversation. And it was kind of like, uh-huh. Oh, really? Okay. Well, what do you think will happen next week? I don't know. You know <laughs> I, I had nothing, I had nothing to show. Just, you know, I saw they, you know, they, did they swim and I don't know what, <laughs> on like a log? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Are they, are they hungry? You know, whatever, whatever's happening on the show, are, are they surviving? Jesus, that, that is bizarre. That is utterly bizarre that a grown man would be that into those shows. Yeah. I just always strikes me as very strange. And I, and I didn't get the sense that that was the only show he'd applied for either. There were a series of, you know, say Big Brother type shows. He wanted to be on at least one of them. He was passionate about them all. I think most passionate about Survivor, but he really wanted to be on at least one and, and, and didn't, didn't, didn't manage to pull it off. Or at least not yet. He's probably still trying. I, you know, I think people, despite all evidence to the contrary, they really think if they can get on one of those shows, their life is going to change. Right. Like something amazing is going to happen. They're going to get discovered. They're going to go on to fame and fortune. And it never happens. Right. I, I can't, I mean, I don't really watch reality TV shows, but like I can't think of one person. And I, well, here's a little addendum. After you told me this story, I teach high school English. And I told my classes about this story, and they were fascinated by it. And I, I brought up the thing about him trying to get on Survivor, and I'm like, are you kidding me? I was just like, what kind of da-da-da, this and that, you know, grown man. This kid, really nice kid, after class, he comes up to me and he goes, yeah, uh, my mom's been trying to get on that show for years. Oh, oh man. <laughs> and I said... Well, no. Now, of course, I'm trying to yank my foot out of my mouth. You know? <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. I was just like, "Well, no, I didn't mean everybody who, you know." I'm just like this guy in particular. He's like, "No, no, no." I and I thought he's going to go home, tell his mother I was yeah. bragging yeah, on. I'm going to get a call from the, you know, the administration. <laughs> I got to come down, and I never heard about it again. But I, you know, I asked them, and these kids are like 16, 17, 18 years old. You know, they consume a lot of this stuff and i said have you ever heard of anybody making it big off of a reality television show and they were like no but i said but people are still clamoring by the hundreds of thousands to get on these shows oh absolutely yeah i don't i'm just like but you don't have any discernible talent other than being a horse's ass i mean that's basically right, right. it I, oh, was this was this guy a gymnast? Like when you look at him, would you say gymnast? No, absolutely not. So that was part of the speculation. No, he wasn't. He I mean, he was. I guess he was a relatively thin guy, but it didn't strike me as overly fit. Uh, so I, I, that's that was a big discussion. So what exactly does he do for for, for gymnastics? I, I don't know. <laughs> Even saw so, it. I guess he'd film it somewhere. But I, I just I pictured him setting up like a camcorder in his living room or I don't even know where his yard maybe and uh I guess just running around and jump I have I don't know we, re we really wanted to see the tape at the time oh god that would be gold that would be absolute gold I could imagine his wife going into court and saying like if I was his lawyer I would present that as the defense I would say look yeah he keeps trying to get on he makes me tape him doing gymnastics routines to get on Survivor. And I got to tell you, if I was on the jury, I'd be like, all right, that that's, that's don't, don't try to kill anyone again, but I can understand your point. 
understanding. <laughs> you know, yeah, right, right. I get it. Yeah. Mitigating <laughs> circumstances, absolutely. Well, years ago, uh, I was just remembering my roommate from a long time ago um, had a girlfriend who, you know, she was nice enough and everything, but uh, she was talking about Survivor, and I think it was in its first or second season. Must have been in its second season. And I remember thinking when I first heard about the show that they were going to drop like three people on an island with a knife and they were just going to have to figure it out. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. Then I realized, you know, it was just a bunch of crap. Yeah. And I started ragging on that show. I was just like, you know, oh my God, that's so stupid. Anyone, I believe my statement was anyone who applies to be on that show is an idiot and da 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 and Guess what? Lo and behold, she had applied to be on that show. <laughs> so I had gone way too far to to try to swim back upstream. Yeah, I right, just, right. Sometimes you've already just said, oh, I've, I've said too much. There's no there's no pulling this back in. Not from the statement, anyone who has applied to be on that show is an idiot. That's a little yeah, hard yeah, to yeah. then qualify. But uh, <laughs> it didn't shock me that she had tried to be on that show. She had that sort of type of personality, you know, that... Uh, I guess it's uh, uh, not not bad, but you know what I'm saying. Certain type of yeah. personality. Yeah. So I actually know somebody who went to college. I didn't know it at the time, but her name was Colleen, and she uh, she was two years behind me at school. Um, and for our audience, I went to college with uh, Matt's older brother Tony, and um, she was on the first season of Survivor. Oh. Yeah. And she was good friends with a woman I knew named Liz. And then Liz was telling us about it. This was after we had graduated. She said, yeah, she was on that show. And that she just kind of did it as a lark. Like, it really wasn't her thing. But she applied. She got on. And she said it was really creepy. She's a good-looking young woman. And she lived, I think, in Hoboken at the time. And she said she would always get these like older creepy guys coming up to her trying to talk to her and like they knew a lot about her and stuff like that yeah so she said it was that was the first and only time she never i think she parlayed that into a role in joe dirt oh yes uh who was that uh that was uh david's rob schneider right is that spade and jamie presley perhaps no i think it was rob schneider that's a good question. I thought David Spade was Joe Dirt, but I don't know. Oh, hey, no, no, no. I th- Maybe you're right. Yeah, I think David Spade. I'm sorry. I stand correct. I believe, I believe Rob Schneider was Deuce Bigelow. Oh, man, right. And European <laughs> Gigolo. I, you know, there's, there's a, there's How a, did I mix those two up? I don't <laughs> there know. was a sequel to that. Yeah, so I think she parlayed it into, or maybe it was a Rob Schneider where he was an animal. Oh, yes. There was there was one, the, the animal. Yes, because I think he was... Yeah, uh, yeah, he would get on all fours and jump around or something. something. I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't recall all the nuances of the plot. Yeah, right. Well, commercial where he was like, sort of, yeah. You really have to um, long, if you're fighting people or what? But I'm sure it was a, it's a very high brow. Well, you have to watch it with the director's commentary to really yeah, get yeah, all I'm the sure. different nuances and watch all the deleted scenes and everything. Right, yeah. It was much more of a, a, a drama, I think, really than yeah. a comedy. But uh, yeah, that's what she managed to kind of parlay it into. And you know, hey, you know, Godspeed, I guess. So 
But where do you go from there? Is that the beginning of a career? Or is that like the end? No, of No, that was it. She never did anything, oh, okay. or you know, it was just that's what I mean. I'm like, this is what happens to the sun. You know, what do you? What do you yeah, true. <laughs> that is that is very true. It's like you only go down. Very yeah. true. Well, that that's the thing. I think reality television it can only really ruin your career, if, if any yeah. fledgling career. You know what I mean? Yeah, I would agree. Because I, I mean, agree. I think at this point you're probably better off being in a sex tape based on recent precedent. Actually, that is true. Yes, that is very, very true. I think uh, you um, get a lot more positive press out of that than just being one of the horde on Big Brother or something like that. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thank you very much for the story, and we will uh, keep abreast of the developments with Donna Walcott and <laughs> yes. Jeffrey. Do you, do you know whatever happened to Jeffrey? Has he? Uh, he still works at the same company as me. Uh, he's still there. Wow. Yeah, so he went through it. I mean, we didn't discuss it with him that much when the trial was going on and everything else. Um, but, you know, he had to take some days off to attend it. And then it would be, you know, he was going to go and petition his local representative. And then it was, you know, we got to go back to court for the divorce settlement or whatever else. So you go, okay, yeah. And then I, I think he since remarried and everything else. But, uh, you know, he's been there throughout. Like I was there. He said, went to another company, worked there, came back, and he's still there. Uh, so, Do you see him? I work from home so much, I, I don't, but other people I work with do see him around in the office, so I actually haven't talked to him in many years, uh, in part because I wouldn't even know what to say. I mean, when I do go into the home office, I certainly could swing by, but there are a lot of people I know, and I tend to be pretty busy when I'm there, but I also, if I saw him, I it's the first thing on my mind when I see him, frankly. Well, of course. Because, you know, anyone try to kill you lately? Uh, right. You know, <laughs> How's this uh, new wife looking? Is uh, yeah, everything yeah, okay with know. that? Or <laughs> like, you answer your phone when you're late at the end of the day, or you just kind of go home now? But now, now there's a cell phone. I'm sure there's, you know, you, uh, so I don't know. Well, if, if you see him, tell him I said good luck with the reality television show. I, I, I will, yeah. I'll let you know if I see him pop up. Hopefully anywhere. he's persevering with that, I hope. Yeah, you know, don't let dreams die. As as yeah. as foolish as they may be, don't let them die. All right. Uh, well, thanks a lot, Matt, for enlightening us on that uh, fascinating legal situation, and uh, that's uh, we'll call it an episode. All right. Sounds good. It's good talking to you. You too. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Working Experience. We'd like to thank our sponsors, One Circle Media, and the Still Believe app the only app that delivers video proof of the Tooth Fairy and Santa by simply taking a picture. Download the app at stillbelieve.co today and amaze your kids. And if you work for a studio, network, startup, or corporation and are looking for a partner to create media that will build, engage, and entertain your audience, reach out to me at john at onecirclemedia.com. I would love to hear from you. And that's it. The end. The sweet end. Until our next audio encounter.